hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Moms and Margaritas podcast. Today, I am here with Miss Kristen Riddler. Um, she's a good friend of mine, and I am super jealous of her beautiful red hair. She's one of the most beautiful people I know. She's got, like, Ariel, Ariel the mermaid hair, and it's gorgeous, and I love it. Um, she has three kids, and she homeschools, so we're going to dive into that today. I'm fascinated by homeschool parents because I could never do it. Um, and then also, she is a wizard at balancing children's activities and sports and keeping them all involved in something fun um, and finding out how to get there and get them there. So we're going to um, just dive right in with Kristen Riddler. Um, and I always like to start with kind of how you were raised because I think it's so interesting to see um, the differences between your childhood and then kind of how you choose to raise your children. So um, going, going right to it, what was it like growing up in the Sanner household and were your parents strict or laid back? Oh, my childhood, I was raised in a fairly strict home. We knew not to question when mom said to do something, though we tried and dad would come behind and make sure that that didn't happen again. Very much a loved household. We were, we knew we were loved. We knew, but we also knew our expectations. Yeah. And there were three of you? Yes. I'm the oldest of three. Okay. A sister and a brother. Sister and a brother, uh, eight years older than my youngest sibling. And um, were you closer to mom or dad or both? I was probably ultimately closer to my mom. We, my parents divorced when I was in college, so we had a lot more to discuss at that point. And, yeah. and um, dad traveled a lot for his job, so yeah. she was home more. Um, you mentioned that your parents divorced when you were in college. What was that like for you? Because at that point, you're an adult. You're not a child. Um, and kind of how did that hit you? Hard, but probably not as hard as it would for, say, my sister, who was eight years younger. Um, And she was the one that was home. My mom moved um, in 2000, so I was already off doing my own thing. The divorce was finalized in 2000, so my sister and my mom got in a U-Haul truck, dropped my brother off at college with me, and then turned around and moved um, from Colorado to Nashville. Oh, wow. Okay. And so you... Speaking of college, you went to college in Colorado. Yes. Correct. And that is where you met Mr. Ryan Riddler. Mr. Ryan Riddler. We like to say technically we met in Arizona, but yes, we did go to the same school together. And you met at spring break. Spring break, but not your typical spring break. A roommate and I went down to watch baseball in Tucson, Arizona, and he played on the baseball team and was playing for our school down there. Did you know of him before you went on the trip? I did not. I did not. Um, he may have gotten in a little bit of trouble okay. Uh, okay. on the team and was sitting out a game oh. in which I happened to be at that game, and we started talking at that point. Were you instantly smitten with him, or were you, like, uh, not interested? It depends on which one of us you ask. He'll say I was instantly smitten. Um, and 
I'm not going to deny it, but uh, by the end of our time together and talking, I knew it was something when he asked me out that I'd like to go on a date with him. Okay. And at that point in time, you're in college. Were you tame or wild? Were you seeing other people? Were you... Mm, tame, maybe not quite as much as I'd like people to believe. Um, had a little wild streak, but uh, at the time I was not seeing other people. So um, I was single at the time when he asked me out. <laughs> and how long did you guys date before you decided to get married? Oh, goodness. I think it was four years, but we also had some breakups in there too. So. And I moved states, and he ended up following, so. And he, did he already have a child? That, actually, we started dating at the point when, um, I believe, she was seven and a half months pregnant. They had no relationship. Yeah. But um, he did not have a child, but she was pregnant at that time. And did he tell you that right off the bat? Uh, pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. So it wasn't like a shocker. No. Like two years in or something. It, there was an ultrasound picture on his mirror in his bedroom, and I kind of started two, putting two yeah. and two together. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And did that freak you out? Was that... Not as I thought about it, but I really admired the fact that he was there, and he was going to doctor's visits, and that they were able to maintain a friendship and I thought that was really, I thought that was really great. I just really admired that about him. Yeah. So he was involved. Yeah. At the time when you're dating, did you already think like, and someday I want to have a family, I want to have kids or was that not on the radar? For me down the line, I just didn't realize it was going to be something I wanted with him. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that... I thought he was a great guy, but you know, you just never think that when you're in college. And yeah. So I definitely was not thinking about it. I like thought, man, I, maybe I want to get married. Maybe not. I really like my freedom. I didn't want to have kids. And then you know, I've said it on one of our earlier podcasts that just one day, like kind of like a light switch changed for me. And I was like, Oh yeah, I do want to have a family. Um, but early on, I really enjoyed my independence and my freedom and like being able to choose what I did at any given time without having to check in on any other person, like a husband or yeah. a spouse. Um, so you guys get married. Yes. And then how long before number one of three children comes along? Um, well, I actually had a miscarriage first and then, so... Riley was born um, a year and a half, two years after. Okay. So. When you had a miscarriage, um, tell me a little bit about that. We haven't talked about that yet on this podcast. I know it's a huge topic. I have also been through a miscarriage. Um, how, tell me about that experience. I was not very far along. Um, so really it was by the first visit. Yeah. Um, they kind of came in and I, the face that was made when we were doing the ultrasound, I knew something was off at yeah. that point. And so it was very hard. Um, 
and thankfully had an amazing support system. And my husband was awesome and, you know, didn't try to reason me into, you know, well, it's okay. You know, this is sometimes it happens. It was very much. Were you guys trying for that pregnancy or was it kind of a surprise that you were pregnant? We were not so much trying, but if it happened, great. So I wouldn't call it a surprise, but we were excited, you know, but, um, yeah, devastated at the loss at the loss nonetheless. Um, so it did, it took some time. And then after that we knew like, or I knew at least that I was ready. Yeah. So So you weren't scared to try again based on that experience. I wasn't scared to try again. I would say once I found out I was pregnant, definitely. Yeah. You know, definitely scared. Yeah. But I, um, I went through a miscarriage and I remember it like it was yesterday. I was living in Atlanta. My ex-husband and I were still together. Um, Chiago was like two, Jude was one, and we got pregnant. And so, I mean, I would have had three under three. Um, For the listeners who haven't listened to the other episodes, um, my first son was adopted, and I found out six weeks later that I was six weeks pregnant. So they're nine months apart. Um, And then when I found out I was pregnant, um, the next time I was so excited. We We were super excited. Um, In my mind, I knew it was a girl. We had two boys. I, like, named her. Her name was Ruby Gloria. And I remember, um, I'm just going off on a little bunny trail here for just a second. I remember going to Panera, and during my first pregnancy with Jude, I had eaten um, the bread bowls, Mm -hmm. and I would get the broccoli cheddar and sometimes the chicken and wild rice soup, and I'd eat the whole thing. Well, this particular day, I was starving. So I ordered one of each. I ordered a bread bowl with broccoli and cheddar and a bread bowl with chicken and wild rice. And I drove to Panera to pick it up. I had ordered it over the phone. And I was sitting in the parking lot and I was in such excruciating tummy pain that I couldn't even walk in. And mind you, like an hour before I was ravenous, I was starving. I thought that I could eat like six bread bowls. And so I ended up not even walking in and getting my food. I just went home and that's when I had my miscarriage. Um, And it was November 11th, I think 2011. Um, Jude was born in 2010. And I still to this day on November 11th, and I can go through the whole beginning of November and not even know what day it is. And I wake up on November 11th every day with just kind of like a heaviness Mm -hmm. on my heart. And it's like so many years removed. And it's not always at the forefront of my mind. Um, I love life. I'm so happy with where I'm at. But I wake up on November 11th with a heaviness. And then I'll look at the calendar and I'm like, oh, it just my body remembers something that my mind sometimes isn't aware of. Um, And so it it can be very traumatic. And, and I know there's probably a lot of women out there who can relate. I know a lot of women who've had five or six miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I hope it's something that we can discuss on here, um, you know, in the future of the podcast, but okay. So moving on a little bit, you have a miscarriage and then how long before Riley comes along? Oh gosh. I, it really wasn't that long. I am really bad at dates and times, but probably within, within the year yeah. I was pregnant with her and yeah, like I said, apprehensive, but 
so excited. But yeah, it's definitely in the back of your mind. You, you just. And were you both out of school then? Yes. Okay, so you're yeah. both out of school. Um, are you still in Colorado? Nope, we're back. We are in Nashville. He followed me. I moved immediately after I graduated, even though we were still dating. Um, it's kind of one of those I knew that's what I wanted to do. And from day one of dating, I told him that's what my plan was. Um, honestly, not thinking we'd be together at that point. Just It was just like probably more just dating, and I'd see him later. And um, I literally left him in my driveway waving goodbye, and um, we carried on a long-distance relationship. And when he graduated, which was about six months after me, um, he worked a job and then tried to get transferred to Nashville so he could be out here. And then we started dating out here and, um, had a first engagement at one point yeah. and, um, and then canceled. We called that one off. And then a year later we got engaged again and that one stuck. Sometimes <laughs> you just need a little more time. But you know, sometimes parents need a little time to adjust. (laughs) Steven and I, my, my husband and I, um, we dated for two years and we actually, we broke up five times. Um, we did not, um, get engaged and then break up, but we broke up five times and it was partially because we both had kids and that's a huge factor of like, we were going to blend a family and it wasn't like, I love you. You love me. Let's get married. Mm -hmm. It was, Hey, there's for other people involved. This is not two people. Right. This is six people that will be joining together. And we didn't even let our children meet until we dated for about four or five months. We didn't want to, neither of us wanted to have a revolving door of people right. in our children's lives. Um, but it was one of those things where like, we were not going to do this unless we were sure. And it took us some time, but so I can't relate necessarily to being engaged and then calling off and then going, going for it. But it's similar. We just, we weren't ready yet. Yeah. And so we waited. We waited longer than we knew we wanted to be together. But we wanted to have um, time for the boys to get to know each other and kind of make sure that it was right for everybody yeah. involved. Just so smart. Yeah. So... Ryan Riddler, from my observation, is a great dad. He's very involved. Um, did he always want to have a family? Did he always want to have kiddos? And I, yes, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like we ever talked about not having it. We always talked about having a family. Yeah. Um, now, his idea, because he grew up with two in his family, was that we would have two, and I grew up with three, and I wanted three. So he will jokingly tell you that he was told that he was having three, and now he couldn't imagine life any other way. But yeah, it was it was. You won. I did. I yeah. did. I you know growing up I wanted to have zero, and now I've got four, which is not what I bargained for. <laughs> but it, I can't imagine it any other yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. So so. Riley's born. Yes. And then how long before McLean? McLean is two and a half years younger than she is. And then Cal's number three. Cal's number three. He is three years younger than McLean. Okay. So kind of skipping forward a little bit, I know that at one point your children went to public school. Yes. And then you made the decision, I think, when McLean, your middle child, was in kindergarten. I started, uh, my daughter went to kindergarten in first grade. Okay. 
after first grade is when I started. McLean would have been more the pre-K okay, gotcha. type age, um, which he just kind of tagged along with us at tutorial. Um, they happened to have a class for him. So yeah. it it started the ball rolling. But then after that, he did go to kindergarten and then asked to come back and be homeschooled after kindergarten. He, asked he did to ask. Be Cause that was not my plan for him. <laughs> and what do you just, did he say why? He loved doing the projects and the, I think just being home and the relaxed environment. He thrived in school. He did great. He did great in kindergarten, um, made a lot of friends. And, um, I truly, for him, it was, I had planned on him going until we just, you know, until one day we just kind of decided it was not going to work. But when he started asking me to stay home and, and do work at home, I thought I can do that. Did you go to public school as a kid or yes. were you homeschooled? I was public school. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, did you think when you had children, like I could homeschool, I'm interested in homeschooling. This is the path I want to take. Or did that kind of throw you off a little bit? I, it started in college. My degree ended up in psychology, but I did go, um, I started in teaching. So I knew I always loved teaching kids. I was not opposed to teaching my own children. And it was always kind of in the back of my mind. But honestly, I was scared to do kindergarten, those levels early on where they learn to read. And I just thought that's such a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. And I was not sure that, you know, if I screwed that up, that that would be the the foundation for the rest of their, you know, lives basically. Um, so that was kind of my mentality to start. And then I said, Riley went to kindergarten in first grade and I just noticed she was kind of falling through some cracks. Mm -hmm. Um, she had great behavior. Everyone loved her, but I knew looking at papers that were coming home, you know, 50% and things in first grade, it's not a huge red flag and she'd probably get out of it. But I just saw some areas where I think she was struggling. And, um, I thought, you know, I think I can, I can help her Yeah. and, um, loved her teachers. They were great. They were fabulous. Um, but I thought, you know, she'd asked me as well to come home and be homeschooled. She cried every single day going to first grade to where the principal would go, okay, is she okay? Is what's happening? And we couldn't figure it out. And he would call me later and say, okay, I checked on her. She's great. So the school was wonderful. They, they really cared about her. Um, it just became more of things. I didn't want her to slip through cracks because she was such a people pleaser and wanted to do so well that she kind of got away with things that maybe she shouldn't have or should have maybe been seen. And so, um, that's when I started. So for those of us who know nothing about homeschooling, I literally know nothing because it has been the farthest thing (laughs) from a possibility in my life because I could not do it. I, I think that moms who homeschool are saints. And I think that they are fascinating because I know for a fact that I, I couldn't survive it. I don't know if my kids could survive it either, but even just the fact of thinking like sometimes they bring home homework and I'm so stumped. Like I'm so, uh, I graduated college. I have two degrees, but I look at their homework and I'm like, this is third grade homework. And I am so confused. I'm lost. I have no (laughs) idea what's going on. But for those of us who know nothing about homeschooling, 
how do you find curriculum? How do you know what to do, what to teach them? Oh, gosh. I don't... <laughs> it's a process. It's always a process. And I think it's always changing um, in terms of, you know, finding the right fit. Um, so I'm not ever pigeonholed into one. We use classical education, which I think really has helped me um, because you get these little nuggets of information and these kids, they memorize it and they build upon that. And at first I didn't quite understand it. And then the more you research and the more you kind of see it further, go further along, I felt like that was the right fit for my family. Now we do grade level math. We do, um, up until a certain point, we do grade level language arts. Um, this year, for instance, we're trying an online program for my middle son because we do butt heads a lot. If I teach and sit and try to do it, um, we butt heads. And so that aspect. That, I'm not going to lie. It makes me feel better about myself <laughs> no. to hear you say that because I'm like, man, they just must have like the best relationship where she can do schoolwork with them and everything's perfect and they're like still can like get along because when Chiago or Jude or Owen or Colt bring homework home, I actually have to tag Steven's hand sometimes and say, I'm out because I'm going to, I'm going to blow my top. I'm going to get frustrated. And so I'll kind of tag him in and he is far more patient. He's so much better at schoolwork with the boys than I am. We'll do a homework page and I'm like, oh man, they got it. We'll flip maybe to like the back of the worksheet and something that we just did six minutes ago, they've lost all yeah. knowledge or they're thinking about something else. And I'm like, how can you forget this? We just did yeah. it. And in yeah. my brain, I'm like, like in my brain, I'm like shaking them like, come on, you just did it. And I know enough to know this is not my strong suit. I'm feeling my blood pressure go up really high. Yeah. I need to remove myself from this situation before I lose it because it's not their fault. They're, yeah. they are doing it, but Steven's just more patient and he's better at explaining and he's really good at that. Yeah. But I do, we butt heads whenever we do homework together. We, well, I, my oldest is a list chucker. If I put it down on a list, she will go through and she'll do it. I will sit with her. I do sit with her a lot um, due to some some learning issues that we have um, recently found out about. But my middle just, you explain it once, you do it now. He doesn't love to do it, but and that's usually where most of our fights come from. But he'll do it, he'll move on, and, and we kind of go... Um, but yeah, we've, we've switched to definitely some, if I can't get through, then we use resources like videos, you know, YouTube videos on how to do certain things. And I'm not stuck on one way of teaching them. You know, it might be the way that I learned is not the way they're going to see it. And yeah. so I'll go and try to research ways to maybe make it make sense, you know, to them. Cause we don't all think the same. Sure. And so, and then I had an epiphany moment with my daughter a few years back and it was, um, we were looking at the problems similar to what you're just saying. We thought we had it. We'd been working on the same type of thing for days. And then we get to the point where it's time to kind of test and see where we're at. And she looked at it as though she'd never seen it before. And 
it kind of dawned on me that no matter how many times she has seen it in this week, I'm also so many years older (laughs) and I've seen it repeatedly. I know how to do it. I saw it from her grade on. Just because she's seen it seven days in a row does not mean that she truly grasps at the level I'm thinking she should grasp it. And at that point, it really dawned on me with a lot of things that, you know, yes, they're kids and you can expect them to do things and you can help them along the way. But there are some times that some things are going to get it quickly and there are some things they're not. And these are the first times they're seeing a lot of these, whether it be math problems or life situations. And it's the first time or the second time. And so they're really still not experts at that situation or that subject. And at that point, it was kind of like a, ooh, I, it, it got me a little bit because yeah. then I thought, wow, I, you know, maybe the way I'm teaching is not the way that she's seeing it or it's mm-hmm. not clicking. And so that's when I started to go, there's got to be another way to do it. Yeah. And that's helped. It, it takes more time. <laughs> it's really good perspective because I even think of myself and I work in IT, I work in medical software and I sometimes feel really lost because it's the first time I've seen something. And some of my colleagues who've been in IT a lot longer than me, it's like breathing to them. And I landed here through an odd series of events. And there are days when I go, okay, I have to give myself a little bit of grace Mm -hmm. because this is my first go round with this, you know, type of software, this kind of problem that I'm having to solve. Um, and I, I have to kind of think about that with my kids sometime and extend that same grace to them mm-hmm. and go, they've never done this before. I've spent 33 years on this earth and they've spent right. nine. So um, that's really, really great perspective. Here's another thing that I'm wondering. Okay. As someone, again, not really in the know about homeschooling. You've got three children in three different grades. What grades will they be in in the fall? This is currently summer when we're recording. Yes. Uh, Seventh grade, fourth grade, and first grade. So in my mind, I'm thinking Little House on the Prairie, a schoolhouse (laughs) where they have like all the kids' grades, kindergarten through 12, all in the same room, and you're somehow having to connect educational information to each one simultaneously do do sometimes their things overlap we that's the beauty and that is why i chose classical education that route because it is essentially one room schoolhouse type mentality um a lot of the what they call pegs of information your history um geography those types of things the kids are learning in little small pieces and they're learning it at the same times mostly, you know, we'll make up songs or there will be songs that go along with it or things like that. So they're all kind of learning it. We do it in the car. We can get through those weeks. Then when we split to do math, they each either have their own book or they had this last year, we did, like I said, an online program for math and each of them had their time on that. And I would have that time with them that was broken out differently. Um, so yeah, we would work on things. The, the, Majority of subjects would be together, um, which seems crazy to have a kindergartner doing, you know, geography or ancient history. But the funny thing is, is that when things are based in song or ways to remember it, dances, little moves, 
it's surprising what he'll remember. And then as they build and they get into the older grades um, with this program, then they actually start to build on that information and they start to use what they've learned with those little memorization techniques. And that's when it starts to grow. Um, And I'll let you know more about that this year, because this year is really the year that that it starts to really take off um, for my seventh graders. So I'm, I'm really excited. I know she's probably less excited about it than I am, but, um, to see how it really starts to form and these little pegs of information really start to come into play and she sees how it all relates to each other. And so I'm excited. Let me ask you this, because I'm thinking about the dynamic of if I had my four boys here and we're doing school in the household, they don't wear clothes. They <laughs> wear underwear. Unless we're leaving the house to go somewhere, and then I have to say, hey, guys, time to put a shirt and, like, some shorts right. on. Um, can Are you wearing, like, pajama pants? Or does it, I mean... Look, I'm just going to be real with you. There are days that my kids wear clothes, go to bed probably in the same clothes, and wake up the next day, and we do school in the same clothes. Um and usually it's my husband that notices that because I'm not paying attention. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are days where yeah, I'm in my pajamas and, yeah. you know, have my cup of coffee and sitting at the table, you know, and we're doing whatever and it's 1230 and I'm going, oh, well, I probably should put clothes on for the day, you know, so. Yeah. That um, pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's got its perks other than like. Hopefully no one comes to the door and I'm frantically trying to look like I've, you know, not been asleep all morning. So, um, the other thing that I, I think would be such a bonus is I guess you can kind of curate any kind of field trip that you think is necessary. Can you tell me, um, maybe like one or two cool field trips that you've done or like learning experiences kind of, um, out of the box kind of things? Um, well, I like to use the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. like to use the beach. Um, Genius. Yeah. Uh, you know, and one of the things they were learning were groups of invertebrates, as exciting as that is. And we just walked around the beach and tried to find different types of invertebrates. You know, there's just, um, you know, or on the beach, you can look at the moon. You can do it outside your house too. But, you know, different phases of the moon or things that we happen to be learning about. Um there's a lot of great things here, even just in Tennessee. There's, there's museums, which are obvious. Um, we've done, um, Native American mounds, just, you know, there's not much to look at, but at least it shows them what they're looking at. Um, geography wise, we've gone to visit grandparents in Colorado. We've, you know, there's really anything going to creeks and rivers and just looking around and digging in mud and seeing what you find and, you know, just letting them have that hands on. It might have nothing to do with what we've talked about for the week, but it also might lead you down a level of discussion that, you know, you just realize, wow, I didn't realize my kids were picking this up or I don't know. I, I, that answer comes to me. I have that a lot is, I don't know. I'm going to have to find that out for you because I don't know why this lives here or why that, you know, does that, but it's kind of neat because it helps them know that 
I don't have all the answers, but I'm yes. willing to look for them. And that's how we do things. We find the answers. It teaches yeah. them how to do that yeah. too. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, so I think that one question that I know I've heard other people ask about homeschooling, and I know that you do this really well because I am your friend and I can observe your life a little bit, but as far as socialization goes with your children, you know, my kids are at public school all day, every day. So they're around a lot of other children. Um, I know that your kiddos are involved in a lot of sports mm -hmm. and I have never met a family who goes to more birthday parties, <laughs> I think, than you guys. So I know that you have a big social or your kids are very social. Yes. Um, and I think sometimes when people hear the word homeschool, they immediately think those kids probably don't know how to function socially, yes. but yours do. So how do you kind of strike that balance with them? Oh, I, they, you know, my older two still are friends with their friends from kindergarten and first grade. So when, we, they, were we, when they were in school and then, um, you know, we did a, tu tu a tutorial, excuse me. And so they have friends from that. And then just, you know, between Ryan and I making friends and having friends with kids, we get a lot of, um, they have a lot of friends that way. And then sports. Yeah. I mean, gosh, there's, I feel like we're always on a field or we're just always someplace doing something. And so, um, yeah, there's just always, and, and surprisingly there is in our area in particular here in middle Tennessee, there's so many homeschool families. It's, it's a lot more prevalent than I would have ever. I actually just met a lady this morning at swim team, you know, and she homeschools. And so, um, so you can kind of find a tribe yeah. of people who are doing similar things. Yeah. Or even if they're not, you know, it's, um, we haven't had any, you know, problems with kids going, well, you know, you don't, you don't homeschool or and excluding other kids or, you know, our kids being excluded because they do. So yeah. we have a church too that we have, you know, connections with. So yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I know that you, your kiddos are in all kinds of sports. They're always in a sport, pretty much. Probably yeah. more than I'd like to, <laughs> to do. So tell me about that. Who, who's in what right now? Uh, currently, uh, my daughter Riley is just in indoor soccer, and then she'll transfer over to outdoor soccer. Um, that's pretty much – she's done basketball before and gymnastics. Um but right now we're just, um, we're on soccer. My middle is travel baseball, which my husband coaches or is one of the coaches for. And he's also in Taekwondo and he is also now currently on swim team through our gym yeah, for the, for the, for the month of, yeah, for just the summer. Um, and then he will stick with Taekwondo in the fall and then baseball. And then the youngest just joined the summer swim team today and he does baseball as well, which my husband also coaches and flag football. He'll just, whatever ball you can put in his hand, he'll do. He wants to do. So three kids all involved in multiple things throughout the year. Mm -hmm. How many days a week would you say that there is a child activity? Mm. <laughs> um, Depending on the season, we just got off of spring. Uh, we had four days of baseball practice between the two boys, and then a, a week. A week. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Two for one boy, two for the other. 
I take that back. Maybe one day for the, the the youngest boy, and then games on weekends. Or the oldest or the middle boy would be in tournaments on the weekends, and then my daughter would play soccer one night a week, and then have games on Saturdays. Woo. So, so I'm curious because we're just now getting to the point where every all four of our guys are involved in stuff, and we haven't quite had to hand, deal with this particular scenario yet. But I think you have. Where what if two of your children? have a game at the same time in different places. The hardest part about that is because two of my children who play sports have the same coach, which is my husband. (laughs) So (laughs) um, generally speaking, he's kind of in charge of baseball or we've been blessed. Like our teams that we've been on have been so great. And it really does. Like if someone can't take their kid to something, you know, they'll call us and, Hey, can you take my kid? Or, you know, we'll vice versa. And we'll call and say, you know, it's particularly on the travel team that happens more. And then we try to get to the younger ones games and then my daughter's games because they're only, there's only one on that Saturday yeah. and my son will play two on Saturday and then at least one on Sundays. Yeah. So, and because it's your reality and you communicate with your kids, do you feel like they're upset or hurt if you have to be at their siblings event and not theirs or do they handle it pretty well? They handle it pretty well. I think I have mom guilt, you know, um, because obviously you don't want anyone thinking I do try to rotate. So I know if I've been to one game for one of them, then I do try to go to the other. We've been very fortunate too, that some of them overlap by just a few minutes. And so I can make it to both. And yeah. And we're very fortunate as well that, the baseball fields and the soccer fields are less than five minutes apart. So that's great. And our house is really close to both of those two. So we, we were able to maneuver and get, get ourselves. And we were also blessed with both of my parents live in the area. So if we need help, we can call on them as well. Yeah. And the kiddos feel supported. Even if mom's at brother's game. Right. I think my daughter would be the one that probably feels the most because everything in our house revolves around baseball. Yeah. So I think, I do try to make a little more effort to do that because none of us are as into soccer right, <laughs> as yeah. we are the other sports. And um, so I want her to to know that she's supported and what her passion is too. Yeah. So you homeschool your children. They're at sporting events all the time, multiple days a week. It takes up part of your weekend, sometimes all of your weekend for baseball tournaments, etc. How do you stay sane? <laughs> wine? No. no. Uh, <laughs> Box gave up on bottles because they're they run too out small. too fast. <laughs> no, just um, I I can't say I do a great job at that. Um, I'd be lying if I told you that I love every minute of it. Um, but you know, you just I love watching my kids, and so. I may not love being on a ball field 17 hours a weekend, but at the same time, I also love watching my child play, you know? Yeah. And so, and, and sometimes they understand I just can't be there, you know? And sometimes we talk about, I'm just not going to go to this one game yeah. because I'm going to take an hour, two hours, whatever it might be, and yeah. just kind of get organized again, you know, regroup for myself and for particularly in the fall when we have to start and go back into school. And so every week 
I'm having to plan something. And then there's times when, you know, I know a lot of teachers do this too, because we have a teacher on our baseball, uh, her son's on our baseball team and she's bringing her papers to grade and she's doing lesson yeah. plans. And so, you know, we're Sometimes doing, you've got yeah, we just, you know, you just do what you have to do and you bring what you have to bring and focus as much as you can. So what is something that you do for you that kind of recharges you? And I know for me, I am more, I feel more successful as a mom. I feel um, better when I'm around my children if I've done a workout or something like that. And I know for some people it's something completely different. What recharges your batteries for you? That's a tough one. I honestly have picked up reading again. And so I'll just go lay in my bed once everybody's asleep and take that quiet time and just read a book um, and just check, you know, I might check social media, you know, for a little bit and then pick up a book, start reading, and then usually fall asleep not too far after. But that moment where I can just not have anyone talking to me for that little bit is, yes. is nice. I'm, I'm fairly introverted. Yeah. So that will recharge me more, probably more so than anything. Yeah, that's good. Um, one of my last questions as we're kind of wrapping up here and I'm going to put you on the spot. So for our listeners, they don't know, but anytime I'm going to have a guest on, I send them a questionnaire um, and it kind of, it doesn't, it's not the questions that I ask them when I interview them, but it helps me make sure that I don't miss anything that's really important. Um, and it can kind of help guide um, how I do the interview. And one of the questions that I ask, and you and I actually discussed it briefly, is in another life, if you did not have any children, what would you be doing? Because you would have so much time on your hands because you homeschool and you're always at children's activities. Is there, like, in your mind, if you had another life, Kristen 2.0, and there was no children involved for whatever reason or another, what would you be doing? Gosh. You know, I always look back. I love, oddly enough, I love kind of medical, you know, mm -hmm. I love how the brain works. I love kind of that realm of things. And I kind of have a weird, I'm going to date myself, but there used to be, you know, medical shows where, you know, trauma in the ER kind of yeah. things. And I was just fascinated by those. So I don't know. I, I would like to think that I would maybe have, have a medical background of some sort, Dr. but like, Dr. but like Kristen surgery, Hitler. like getting in there and really yeah. like, yes like taking care of business that Love way. That. <laughs> um, I always say, and this just shows, um, uh, I, maybe I'm selfish, but if I did not have children and was not, well, maybe married or not, but let's say I wasn't married and I didn't have four children and I had zero children, I think I would be a flight attendant and I would just travel all over the place. I would like take my airline benefits that yeah. I get for being a flight attendant and I would live very, very frugally and um, save my money just to travel and be by myself and meet strangers in odd locations. That 100% makes sense. You're so adventurous that that I'm makes perfect sense. I'm adventurous and an introvert. So like... I would love to just travel by myself. And I have, I have traveled by myself quite a bit 
And I enjoy it because you don't have to ask like if your travel buddy wants to eat at the place that you want to eat or if they're ready to go back to the <laughs> hotel or, you know, we're like in the middle of this cool event, but they have to go to the bathroom yeah. or something. And I'm like, I actually just want to stay here. And so I think I would just like explore the whole entire world and that's what I would do if I didn't have kids. I like that idea too. I'm just yeah. not as adventurous as you. <laughs> I think being a surgeon um, would be, you'd get some really cool, cool points for that too, though. I, I, in theory, in theory, that's what I do. And then I'd worry that I'd probably pass out the first surgery. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, I did. I worked in a surgeon's office one time for a brief stint for like eight months. And I actually did pass out um, as he was uh, cutting into someone. I'll tell that story. <laughs> Passed out, blacked out, hit my head on a metal trash can and hit the floor. Ooh. Yep. True story. Yeah. Um, okay. So as we're wrapping up, I always kind of like to ask this just at the very end. If there was any mom advice, like global blanket statement, whether it's advice, whether it's um, just a word of wisdom that you would leave to the moms out there, young, old, young kids, old kids, pregnant with their first, um, what would you, what would you say? Oh my goodness. I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, this knowing that every mom is trying their best and loves their children beyond words. Um, even if it's not the way you would do something, every mom is really doing what they can doing the best that they know how. And it might not be your cup of tea, but it's those, you know, the child is loved. And as long as that child knows they're loved, then you're doing the right thing. You're, you're crushing the mom game. I'm a million percent there with you. I think everyone's doing the best with what they've got. Yeah. And everybody was dealt a different, you know, deck of cards. And yeah. you got to work with what you got. And that's, I mean, what you don't know what you don't know. And you do know what you do know. Yeah. And kids are resilient. And they are going to be just fine. And they'll figure out some things on their own. So you really can't screw them up too bad, I guess. I hope. I hope not. <laughs> I guess we'll find out I guess. I guess. I, you and I turned out okay, right? Yeah, absolutely. At least as far as we know. Absolutely. Well, Kristen Riddler, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you. Um, thanks for drinking this margarita It was so me. yummy. So delicious. Um, and we'll have to have you back on because we have some things we need to follow up on on uh, the learning experience for this oh, year. Yes. So um, we'll have you back on and just kind of see how that all went. But thank you so much for your time. Thank thanks you for, for having me. And everybody out there in podcast world, thank you for listening. Have a great day. Peace out. <laughs>